Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. very exciting announcement to make. The official Free Birth Society membership network is now live. We have abandoned mainstream social media and created our own private network, a truly safe space where women can be free to talk about pregnancy, birth, holistic mothering, and of course, radical birth work. And you don't have to be a hardcore free birther to join. This is for any woman who is curious about natural birth and natural mothering and who wants to explore any of the ideas that we touch on in this podcast in more depth. It's also a great resource for women who are planning a free birth, a place to share stories, ideas, information, and most importantly, community and support. Head to our website at freebirthsociety.com to apply. We are so proud of this new space and we can't wait to welcome you. Come join us in the fun. When Phoenix became pregnant with her first child, she was living in Atlanta, Georgia, and was self-admittedly still a girl. But the birth of her son launched her into a discovery of self-love and conscious living. Phoenix moved her family to Hawaii, and pregnant with her second child, found herself homeless for many months trying to find her new flow. Her story ends happily with a gorgeous example of ecstatic birth and authentic midwifery. I think my mind kind of goes to the girl version of me before even womanhood even was something that I thought I could become. Um, I just always knew I wanted children. I always Mm. felt that deep within me. And um, I don't know, it was it was hard growing up, knowing that innately, and then going through experiences in life where I didn't feel like maybe I would do the job correctly, you know, and that was my journey up until I got pregnant. Mm. I just, um, just kind of back and forth where I would like, I want kids. And then it was like, No, I'm not gonna be a good mom. Like, what's you know, what the heck? And like right before Nakomi was born, I was in the space where it was just like, you know, never mind about kids. You know, if it happens, you know, it's going to be something that's going to break me more than I, I, I feel like I will be able to handle. And mm-hmm. um, before I even got the confirmation of his birth, I knew I was pregnant. I was um, really upset about it. I was mm. really like, just like, you know, just not confident in myself. I just felt like, you know, the creator gave me this gift and I wasn't worthy for some reason. Mm. Um, so I really went through some kind of just inner turmoil with that. And it became, you know, better and better as I guess symptoms started to show up, I guess, um, within my first pregnancy with Nakomi. And, you know, I, I never even thought about natural birthing or really anything particular about birthing except for you know that I knew that it happened if that makes sense like I wasn't too into 
any like the whole Instagram, I don't know, phase, you know, that just how they like blow up the birthing and the pregnancy and all that. I just really wasn't in that realm. I just was all like single, selfish minded. And, you know, that's just the phase of maidenhood that I was in. Um, totally. It's, but you weren't living on Kauai yet. No, we weren't. We were in Atlanta at this time. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, um, that also gave it just a different vibe. So mm-hmm. I, I guess as, as soon as I was yeah, pregnant... Being, being pregnant in, in Hawaii and Atlanta are a little Completely different. different. <laughs> I mean, when I became pregnant with him, immediately I went to the hospital. Sure. It wasn't even any kind of question. You know, mm-hmm. it was just, this is kind of the protocol deal. You know, watching, you know, like Kardashians type, the birth stories that be on TLC, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. It's just like, that's just how it went. Totally. Um, not that I was like... I didn't want that, but it felt like that's where I needed to go to get a confirmation, even that I was pregnant. Mm. And just my first experience going, we go and, you know, I'm throwing up, you know, sick, not feeling well. And they're just like, well, eat whatever you want. They gave me a prescription for some pills and it just, you know, and they were just like, you know, eat whatever you want. Good luck. And it was just like, well, that wasn't the experience that I thought I was supposed like, to get. I thought I was going to be respected and this is going to be treated magically. Right. <laughs> like, like, yeah. And so and were you already uh, into like conscious living and healthy eating and, and, you know, all right. All the... Right. Yeah. I was, I was in it a bit. I was okay. in it a bit, not fully. I mean, okay. motherhood really brought all of this, this spiritual aspect in the, the woman out of me, honestly. That's why I referred to myself as a girl at that mm-hmm. point because you know, I didn't even, I, you know, I wasn't taking care of my body. I knew that I could. And, you know, I was about the fruit life, like eat your watermelon, drink your water, <laughs> but still was drinking and not eating the best. And, you know, just kind of, you know, just about the, the look of it, but not really mm. like understanding, like, I didn't really understand how to take care of my body until my children sure. came, mm. came, you know, eating properly, drinking. Like, it's like, I feel good doing these things, you know? Right. But it is, it's like the actual wanting to feel good when once you do it, it is contagious. It's great. It's great. I mean, I, I battled with anorexia, like all the throwing up, just the mm. disassociating myself with food and controlling all of that. I didn't respect food. I didn't feel like it respected me. It was just mm-hmm. this, this thing to just throw around. And it's, I mean, it's just night and day how I am with food now. Like, wow. Uh, I love food. I love it. And it. Good. I love feeling that I can nourish myself. And it's not this, man, I, I would just forget to eat just all this, just dumb mm-hmm. stuff. Like just, you know, little girl stuff. And now yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, I am just proud of myself and yeah. this journey that it has brought me to at least be able to do that for myself, you know? Um, That's huge. Yeah. Okay, so what was your pregnancy like? You go to the hospital, you get confirmation, you're like, oh, damn, that wasn't so great. You're, what's your pregnancy like? So um, from that first appointment, we were like, okay, let's do the midwife thing. You know, I just it immediately was like, okay, we have to do a 360, we have to do something else because didn't, it didn't feel good. So Midwife um, just, out of hospital or in? Um, she the, Actually, the woman we found was out of hospital. Okay. We were just like done with hospital at that point, honestly. Um, so the midwife we found, um, she was just a home birthing woman, uh, very solid, you know, just grandma energy and nice. we felt safe, you know, we felt good. Um, so yeah, so we had our journey in pregnancy with her. Um, so you know, that, I, that first interaction with the hospital was enough for you to be like, no, I'm good actually. And, yeah. and something just 
you just knew something within you was like, okay, I want to go this, go about this in a more normal right. way. And obviously it was Nakomi obviously pulling at me like, eh, right. you know, this is not the deal, mom. Yeah. You know. He's um, like, we could do better. <laughs> yeah, we could do a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. You know. And I want to preface just the overview of Nakomi's story um, with the midwife. I'm not going to mention her name. Sure. Um, but I do want to talk about kind of the, just the, the nonsense that kind of went on with the midwife and that mm-hmm. whole kind of propaganda that led me to my second birth and wanting to disassociate myself with that type of midwife that I dealt with. Yeah. So the, the woman um, who we tracked into our space to do that, she was very, you know, to the books with her midwife, like lifestyle, you know? So in a way, so that it would, sometimes it would make me feel bad. It would make me feel like I wasn't doing enough. Like what? Give me an example. Um, so an example, um, eating enough food, mm. eating enough food. So I told you, but I was you doing already that have so much energy around food, right? Right. I already have that. Ugh, and it should really make me feel bad. Like if I, I would go in for my weigh in, if I maybe lost a pound or didn't gain five and gain three and she got to get it together. And I remember one time leaving crying, yeah, just like, like I'm not doing enough for, you know, like, and like let's add some more shame on like yeah and it was just like like I you know I I remember just feeling lost within that like it's like am I supposed to trust this woman give her all of my energy give her all of my trust so she can birth my baby you know (laughs) that's what the whole thing was about her birthing my baby which obviously makes no sense yeah yeah and and did she I'm curious did she have you do food logs yes she did yeah, I have stressful for yep, me. I have a yeah. huge fucking issue yeah. with the yeah. weight with the weighing in and the food logs. Um obviously you're a great example of of why. And it's more obvious with women who have um, you know, more like outward issues, but right. what woman doesn't have weight and food issues? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's just it, it, that's literally how we're conditioned. That's literally how we're trained to be on some yeah. level. I mean, yeah. I've all, I don't know if I've ever met a woman who's just like totally doesn't care about the number on the scale exactly. or the food and all of that. So I've seen that be so destructive and so stressful and so, um, just absolutely pulling, pulling the, the midwife and the woman out of what the actual point in dy- the whole of point the dynamic of it. is. Yep. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it, even on some level was her even kind of messing with me. Cause I, I'm a very small woman. I'm five, one. I'm normally like one Oh eight, one Oh five. That's just, you know, my deal. And I felt she's more of a heavy set woman. I felt mm-hmm. like she was bullying me in a way. Like you need to eat more. Like no, 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 no. Like why are you? Like she came over to my house, looked in our pantry in the kitchen, and just was like, you know, like I'm, I'm concerned that maybe you need to be like eating out more or la 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 because we, you know, cooked a lot of food from home. It was like, it was that's weird. Yeah, so I know a lot of midwives like that. It's it, and that's what I'm saying. It's like she's, you know, doing it out of her. You know, she's by the books. It's just she's not having any open mind to anything. And she's, you know, not an older woman, but she's, you know, good in her fifties. So she's been doing this for 30, whatever years, you know, birth hundreds of babies. So, well, and well, she hasn't birthed hundreds of babies. She's exactly. 
and right. and we got to be careful of that. We got to, yeah. Oh, uh, you know, but but and it's interesting, right? Because like a midwife doesn't mean that they're a therapist. It doesn't mean that they're a good counselor. Right. It doesn't mean right. that they know how to read a fucking room, you right. know. And it just, but but in a way, it kind of should mean that if if the midwifery lifestyle is with women, you know, and is about um, holding and loving and nurturing. You know, I just see so many midwives miss that point and and focus on the charting and the uh, the food log and mm-hmm. and honestly the projection and the shame, which is the yep. last thing with a with a woman who has body issues already in pregnancy. I mean, come on, man. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's 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 really disappointing, but I'm I'm glad that I went through it, you know, so that I can get out of it and be able to sure. know, tell the tale and mm-hmm. like you know you don't have because. I have a lot of women coming on my Instagram asking me questions like, should I be eating? I'm like, girl, eat what you want. Like, yeah. be happy. Like, obviously you have conscious decisions, but like, you must like eat heartily and be fed good. Like, it's, 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 it's these things are not things we should be focusing on. And um, wherever you're at today is where you're at today. And like, right. that's where we have to start, you know? I mean, tomorrow you might eat more nourishing or whatever, but today exactly. is, is where we're at. And yeah, just like, we need to learn how to actually be in that space. I yeah, mean, even it says so much that people are like, that you don't know are asking you questions on Instagram, like, like yeah. that we need that kind of validation and to be seen so badly that it's just, oh, it's so sad. Anyway. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. And I, I even, you know, even with the whole, and I, I don't want to say propaganda with veganism, but there is a little bit of, I mean, you know, the media tells us what they want us to pour our money into, you know, like, and I'm in full like awareness that even people who are doing this vegan lifestyle, like if you're craving meat and you're asking me, oh, did you eat a little meat? Is it okay? Like (laughs) eat the meat. Come on. Like do it. Like that is, you have to like, regardless of whatever is the healthiest, whatever is the best. Sometimes we have to take in from the earth what we need to be able to be here. Like we have to be grounded into the earth. Like all of it is and stop the same, asking you know? for permission from yeah. everyone else. You know, damn. But that's really yeah. it. Like this is the socialization of women. Like I'm sure men aren't asking you if they should eat meat. Right. <laughs> you know no. what I mean? Like no. this is it that we yep. are constantly, you know, socialized to ask permission. And you know, women like you and I who are asked questions like this all the time. Of course, the position that we have is to be careful with with that authority and yep. reflect back instead of take, you know, and, and reflect back like that, that these women have their own inner guidance and, and to start fucking listening to it. Yeah. You don't know if this woman should eat meat. I don't yeah. know, you know, hey. it's like, just, my goodness. But it but sounds I, to me, if you're asking yeah, exactly. if your body wants to eat meat, like, girl, exactly. like, eat it. Exactly. You know, and I want to say something with the, the father connection too, because I get this a lot as well, that the, whenever these midwives are doing this thing they kind of coach the dads to bully as well Mm. and I found that my partner was doing this food controlling thing with me where it's like no you don't need to do eat eat that or let's eat and it's like we kind of take the the care out of it Mm -hmm. and it becomes this this bullying thing all around and it just puts that you know the stifle within the relationship like I have questions like that a lot like my man won't let me eat this and Girl. Yeah, that everyone has authority 
in a woman's pregnancy except for the woman. So this speaks to such a classic dynamic of even by hiring the midwife, it just replaces the doctor in that it's another person who's not the woman uh, Mm -hmm. telling it, you know, how it's going to be and telling the partner, you know, basically how to monitor and control um, and what to look out for. And yeah, it's just like when the, when, at what point do we center the actual woman? Yeah. So moving forward into the birth with Nakomi, so I'm having just all this kind of turmoil experience with this woman, but at the same time, putting my complete trust in her, like she's my God, like she is going to save me. That's, that's oh how God. I felt going into the birth, just wow. this mentality, you know? Okay, so contractions started. So I'm having some different, you know, sensations. So I call the lady, I'm like, yo, what do we do? La, la, la. She's like, Oh, nothing's happening. Call me back in three hours. Just really like, kind of like mean at this point. We're like, okay, Damn. sorry to annoy you. Right, right. But I think I'm having my baby. <laughs> like, so um, things don't progress. We move into the night and the next day. So we we're also having a situation where we had a balance, a monetary balance with this woman. Oh. And everything was supposed to be paid in full before the birth. Of course. Well, my son decides to come before our balance is paid. But this puts just this crazy energy with her so she changes completely from this grandmother all-encompassing whatever to just an asshole and just like well you guys didn't pay me so i'm not gonna go to the birth you guys should go to the hospital no because yeah well you know and what week did he come he came a day before his due date so june 20th his due date was 21st did you have some sort of contractor agreement with her about when it would be paid up uh, it was kind of a loose type of thing, you know, and I don't know, just us feeling like she's the grandmother that she was. If we didn't, it wasn't like we didn't. It, the thing was, he was born whatever the Monday or Tuesday, and he didn't get paid till Friday. Type thing. <laughs> like, it wasn't even that we couldn't pay. It just was like, why is that even the issue? You know, like we'll pay you the money. Like, what the, you know, why are you so quick to like push us to the hospital? That's like hardcore. when you know that's not what we want to do. So she's like, I'm not doing your birth. You have to go to the hospital. Did so she literally we, say, like, I'm not doing birth because you I'm haven't not, paid me? Right. Damn. So we're like, okay, what the heck? We're not going to the hospital. You know, it was like, for, like we didn't want to do that. And so we end up calling this lady once my contractions start to intensify, just out of fear. Like, please, like, please, can we, can you please do this birth? Like, we can pay you. He actually ended up getting an advance. And we paid her the day after the birth. Oh my God, that's so stressful. Yeah. So, you know, whatever, it got cleared, but it was like, she was like, okay, like as long as you guys pay me, da da da. So it's like, we have that over our heads during the entire process. So I will say, I feel like I have to just voice that I have, because I've done a lot of births with midwives, I have seen midwives get fucked over. And, right. and I feel it. And and I actually have too. I mean, as a doula, mm-hmm. I've been in positions where there was an outstanding balance. Mm-hmm. And of course I still went and right. then never got paid. Mm-hmm. And so that is awkward. Like I'm no defending her. I'm just, I'm remembering all these stories now of, of when I worked for midwives where right. um, that happened. And so maybe at some point, you know, they have to draw a boundary. Agreed. Sucks yeah, that it was at your birth. Well, it's just within all of that. It just was like, awkward. like you yeah. said, awkward. Totally awkward. You money know, was, money is so awkward. Yeah. So yeah. it was just, you know, we went in with went in with that energy, went in yeah. with 
you know, kind of the hands-off mentality that I needed her to be there with me. Um, my mother and my mother-in-law were there once oh, my wow. contractions were pretty heavy. And then she, we called her and she finally came over. She actually sent two other midwives that I hadn't really even met really Whoa. before to come because she said that I wasn't ready yet. And then once she did finally get there, she was upset that she got there because she said I wasn't far along enough. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and it was just like the energy just changed yeah. up. So, and it, it felt in a way like we even were trying to please this one. Right. Like my, right. My totally. best friend was there. She made her a whole meal. She was totally. Up. She was down there ordering her dupe. And it was just like, hello, whose party is this? Is it you're, you're like rubbing her feet. <laughs> hey, like, please help me birth my baby. Like, you know, oh, like, <laughs> man. Yeah. So, we, and you know, honestly, it was super irresponsible of her to show up and have bad energy like just yeah. don't fucking show up you right, know for real. If, if you can't yeah. show up clean and ready to serve and and be yeah. a, a midwife just just don't show up yeah Ugh. okay so then what happened yeah so um yeah my labor uh ended up being 27 hours um and just it was just this pull and tug of me uh-huh. feeling like I was I just rem- even just during the contractions, I remember pain. I, and this is different from how I remember Ayumi's birth. Like I remember pain in Nakoma's birth because I was resisting yeah. and I was fishing for help and mm-hmm. to be rescued by mm-hmm. my mother-in-law, my, you know, Antoine, you know, everyone was great anybody. support and anybody help <laughs> yeah. me, you know? And once I transitioned, I stopped. That's what I do when I transition. I completely stopped talking. So for some reason, this freaked her out so another thing in atlanta midwifery is certain i guess it's not really legal in some kind of way so she also had that over her head like you know that whole kind of a scary thing for her that fear Mm -hmm. for her so at a certain point i stopped talking and i wasn't pushing but he he was kind of crowning um so everybody just kind of freaked out and they put oxygen on me oh my gosh and yeah but I remember being fine I was just transitioning it was about to come you know but I didn't know that they didn't know that so we call the ambulance and yeah the ambulance pulls up um Antoine carries me down the stairs you know I'm mute at this point remember I'm like about to push he carries me out the ambulance people meet us at the door and scream at Antoine to put me down that I cannot walk that I have to walk the rest of the way so he puts me down and I'm like 30 minutes away from giving birth to Nakoni and I have to walk to the ambulance climb in by myself for whatever protocol I don't know I get into the back they won't let Antoine in the back with me (gasps) What? So I'm back here with this stranger by myself and I'm like pulling on this woman's clothes, like, like, you know, just eyes out. I can't speak to her. And I'm just like, I'm like, he's coming. Like I can't. And she's like, calm down. He's not. Oh my God. I've had three babies before. And she's just really mean to me. Yeah. And they drive. And that's the crazy thing as well. They, they didn't drive like they were in an ambulance. They drove slow. Ew. They drove as if it was no emergency at all. Antoine's in the front. I'm back there, like, you know, about to give birth. So we pull up to the hospital, and she's still being really mean to me, just <sighs> like, calm down. You're not about to have this baby. Mm. So we, I get up, get into the um, room that they pull me in. They lift up my clothes, and the Comey's basically out. And you oh just see God. the color drain from her face. And she's so embarrassed and, like, so, you know, apologetic. And 
They rush to get the doctors. We go in another room. It's like 10 nurses in the room, plus my family and everybody. And man, the pressure is on at this point. And um, I'm pushing, they're help, you know, doing the whole thing. Antoine like takes off his shirt because it's freezing in the room. He stuffs the vents with his shirt. We're just like, and like crazy in here, just trying to like make our way. And it's just Damn. like, everything is like, against you against us you know and it's like such a testament to nakomi's strength and who he Uh, is now you know like warrior spirit but yeah so everybody i'm pushing for a while and everyone just gets disappointed they're like you know the baby's not coming yet i'm like oh it's like the story of your birth yeah right i'm like hell no hell no so but what happens is everybody's attention got off of me for a minute and it's the only point in my whole birth story where i was able to be with myself and my ancestors and to really call on the women who had done this before. And it was just like, you can do this. And I remember this woman and she disappeared after I gave birth. I don't even know if she was real. I really feel like this was like my future self, like my, my guardian angel, this African woman was standing in the back and she was looking at me and just, she's like, make eye contact with me. Like you can do this. And I focused on her Gave out the biggest scream of my life in Outbirth Nakomi. And <laughs> yeah, so needless to say, we were exhausted. We went to our room. We were presented with a bag of fucking candy and signing off on everything. Just got out of there the next day as yeah. quickly as we could. And the midwife, yeah. she just disappeared. She didn't even stay to see me, you know, get bir- born, be- give birth because of the. Regulation. The last bag, yeah, yeah. Did so she, she show up at the seen. hospital at all? She she came. She drove in the car like behind the ambulance, and then kind of was in the back, and then she just kind of disappeared after that. So even her not being there was kind of it was still hard because I still like wanted that approval mm-hmm. from her. Like I wanted her to say, you know, good job mm. throughout everything, and I didn't even have that. So, but damn, you know, that is a fucking nuts transfer story i mean most transfer stories are nuts honestly that's interesting though that i'm 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 like picturing that space of when when you went quiet and that 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 space wasn't held for you yeah because that's when the magic is really even the you know even that term transition you know when i began transitioning you said i mean that holds so much there when i began transitioning like whatever that is that women do right yeah. before they open up to pass their babies so often that space isn't held respected honored revered loved nourished you know as it as it should be and it's like the pressure is on once you get to that phase for some reason you know it's like all right let's get her to do her the one thing we need to do, like, <laughs> man, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how did you process all of that? I mean, then obviously you had a baby not, not too long not after too that long. again. So yeah. what was that first year of, of mothering like for you? I mean, the, the, the first couple of days after were hard for me because, um, I didn't understand that I could love somebody that much Hmm. and honestly that fucked me up because it was like (laughs) I thought I was gonna I went through that whole birthing massacre yeah and it was just gonna be I don't know this blame game for a while for me and Mm. it it wasn't like it was instant like man like you know I'm 
like crying baby blues for the next mm-hmm. couple of days because it's like like all of that was worth it you know and like and I, I was scared that it wasn't going to be worth it within the birthing you know all of that drama I, I feared that it was going to damage my relationship with my son and it didn't so for that I'm thankful mm-hmm. um, but in terms of processing the birth I mean honestly you know it was hard for me to share my story or talk about it because I, I did feel like it was negative and the fact that just circum you know all the circumstances it was just intense so I didn't really know how to you yeah. know I just heard only the you know the flowery stories of mm-hmm. yeah like, you know la 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 we had the pitocin or whatever or even you know the natural birth like I just felt like everybody's story kind of flowed more and mine was just kind of like all these jagged edges mm. and my baby came you know here he is you know and so what I, most women share about their stories is the flowery stuff and right. is is the cute, you know, photos and is yep. the it was worth it piece because yep. the jagged edges, which most births have, yep. um, if not all, you know, there, yep. there's, there's, that's part of birth, you know, not, yeah. not that it should be chaotic and abusive, but, but it's always like facing your shit, you know, yep. whatever facing that looks it. like. Um, so Okay. So yeah. So you're totally in love and bonding with this little kid and you're processing all this crazy entry point that just happened. One thing I'm, I'm curious about, and, and it's probably still a theme, you know, through this next birth, but how, if at all, did it shift your body image and your relationship to food? Like I I want you to speak, cause you mentioned it before, just to, you said that, you know, becoming a mother has really transformed your relationship with yourself in a nourishing way, that's not your direct yes. flow. But how, speak yeah. to that a little bit for me. I mean, I mean, just the minute he was here, I just, I just began to look at myself as just this delicate mirror of him, that mm-hmm. I was once him in this state. And I don't know, like, that's what inspired our move to Hawaii. That's why, you know, everyone, you know, this drastic life changes that I'm, I'm making is just like, because I can do better. I don't have to just forget about myself. I don't have to forget about the things that are important to be like a sustainable human here, you know, and it just gave me like just the opportunity um, to like, just look at myself in another way. Like, I don't know with, you know, breastfeeding, you have, you're making milk, you know, it just, the milk just is not just there, you know, you're actively creating it. So knowing that I was a participant in doing it, because I didn't understand that before, you know, I just thought that it was just a function. Breastfeeding was just something that happened, you know, not that I'm, you know, like I'm making milk, the water that I drink is filling up my breasts. The food that I'm doing is filling up my breasts, literally. And, um, you know, Nakomi was always such a good eater too. So um, it just felt good that I, you know, I was bringing comfort to him and that I could, live better for myself for him indirectly like mm-hmm. I don't know I just I just I just never looked at myself as as like a like a star as important as hmm. significant you know I just you know I always am like just I'm just like a melting pot type of person you know like I I like that feeling but it, sometimes it takes me out of myself in sure. that I don't take care of myself you know, and, and it's interesting that in a in a culture that teaches us and and treats mothers as invisible, 
that you found the opposite to be true. That's yeah. really beautiful, you know, because society puts all this focus on the young maiden, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's like yep. our prime and that that's, you yep. know, we're, we're here for the male gaze. Right. <laughs> and then, and once yeah. you're a woman, once you're a mother, it's like, it's you, you don't even get seen anymore and you're invisible and no one asks about you and blah, 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 as we all, you know, can relate to that. And then all of a sudden, here's your story that is the completely different, you know, opposite experience where you are seeing yourself um, with respect and with, with some like significant visibility um, in this whole new way. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And I, um, it's kind of like my thing that I preach about, like after Nicole was born, I'm just like telling everybody, like, please have a child and not even in the way, like, you know, like, you know, the time and, you know, perfect, but like, it's just that none of those things matter because Mm -hmm. when your baby gets here, like, it's like, you don't know until you know. And I didn't know. And now I know that this is what I've been searching for all my life. This is like that true love connection. Cause it's not about that person that you make, you, you know, your lover or whoever, it's not about that. It's about the creation and the replica and the the evolution of ourselves, that's the true love. You know, all that other stuff is just to distract us from doing this, you know, and to make us think that we're better off by ourselves, still searching, that we'll mm-hmm. have some kind of more freedom if we don't have children. Like, I've never felt more free in my life right. since my kids have been here. Same. Because I see that I have no boundaries because mm-hmm. of them. Like, no one looks at me the way that my kids do, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it's not something flowery. It's just like, I'm important to somebody in a way that I was able to like lay down my life. Like birth is laying down your life. Like you at a certain point, you have to cross the barrier, like life or death. Like, let's go. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to live. Yeah. We're going to like, we're here now. And ideally the, the partner, whether it's the father of the, of the child or not, ideally the partner is supporting that and not in competition with and not jealous of and not, you know, so uncoming, particularly in, in heterodynamics, you know, where it's so common where the male is just like struggling with this. I'm not the center anymore. And I, I don't get the, the sex or the, you know, all of this stuff and whatever, I guess I'm, I get, I was going to say, I'm not trying to invalidate it, but actually I guess I am because really, you know, when we think of matriarchy, you know, it's, it's that the partner, the father is supporting yeah. the mother and the baby to be the most important thing because of yes. everything you just spoke to. Yeah. Anyway, so let's keep going. So, so okay. then, so tell me about how Hawaii enters and, and just like that transition into your next pregnancy and, and all that. Yeah, so in Atlanta, we we lived in this huge concrete loft in the middle of the city, like literally no grass around us, nothing. And, you know, like, I just felt like I couldn't interact with Nakomi the way that I wanted to there. And we just began exploring other options. You know, he kind of dwindled off from his job because he just wanted to be with us. You know, like he had to drive an hour and a half to work and he just, mm. he just stopped going, honestly. And we just were just at home, just just in this just full like just just so in love and so inspired and yeah we we sold our things we came to Hawaii with $250 and was just like I don't know why we're here and were you already pregnant 
Nope, I wasn't okay. pregnant. Um, okay. Nokomi was about six, seven months when we transitioned. Oh, here. okay. And yep. what? Why did you choose Kauai specifically? Um, Kauai specifically, so it's the Garden Island. This is the most off-grid type of living, mm-hmm. and that's what we were aiming for. Mm-hmm. We were like, let's just camp. Let's just be in the earth. You know. Needless to say, it's not really exactly the lifestyle that we want to pursue, but it was a great experience to be mm-hmm. able to kind of brush off the matrix type living totally. and to be able to uh, redefine, you know, what we're grateful for, what we need, how we use our things, because it wasn't enough for me to be like, okay, don't leave your faucet running, only wash, you know, that, it, that wasn't enough for me. I needed to see why I needed to appreciate water. And now it's like, those things are second nature to me because I did have that experience here. Um, but yeah, so, um, damn. So you really dove in. Yeah. We just, you know, did our best and it, you know, it was hard It's it's been a struggle. We've been here about two and a half years, it's been a struggle for two years up until just the last few months. And, um, I'm super blessed and thankful for the journey. Um, but yeah, Ayumi, um, started to <laughs> rather early, call me just I just Nicole, we got here in February I started feeling pregnant around March and I kind of was bleeding in February thought it was my period but it didn't I bled for like two weeks and then just stopped mm. um I ended up getting pregnant with her in I guess April May ish um so he's how old at that point Nakomi was about eight eight, nine months, about okay. the age she is now. Yeah. So they're, wow. they're 18 months apart. Hopefully I got that math right. Nobody <laughs> quote me, but, <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, I just started feeling pregnant before I actually was because her spirit was just wanting to be here. And interesting. it wasn't that I didn't have any intentions of having another baby so soon. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't feel, it didn't feel right to like push away the spirit and say like, no, not right now. Now that's how I feel. <laughs> Every once in a while, I get a little baby fear. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> but no, I was just so, I was ready, you know, so I pregnant again. And um, yeah, we're going through our journey. I go back to Atlanta for a little while. Me and um, my partner have some space. That's um, when I think you and I started chatting. Yes. Yeah, I think it was actually. You were in Atlanta, pregnant and your man was on Kauai figuring yep. out work and yep. then you were going to meet him pre-birth. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that happened and it was, um, it was good for me to go back and kind of process some things with my family. Um, and it was a lot of intense things. I actually got, got asked to leave my parents' house when I was pregnant with my toddler, just cause my parents are very spiritual, very, you know, on the Christian spectrum and that lifestyle and, you know, I'm not married. Here I am with my toddler. I'm coming back home, like I'm pregnant again. And then, you know, I stay there for a few weeks, and they ask me to leave and go to a homeless shelter and just what? like complete, yeah, like so. But you're pre- of- you're also pregnant with your partner. It's not right. like right. I mean, and even if it was a random dude, that would be fine too, of course. Exactly, because we're not supposed to turn our freaking kids away. Also, I just want to pause and say it's really funny to me that you just said. <laughs> On the Christian spectrum. <laughs> I would laugh about that all night. Okay. So that's not great. Okay. So yeah. You get, so you get kicked out. Yeah. I get kicked out, you know, but <clears throat> thankfully, you know, I was able to come back here and just being able to flow back and forth, you know, was just, you know, just showing that all of this is divine, that I'm meant to be here and to birth um, 
my second child here and we came here and <clears throat> same thing. I mean, I, honestly, me and our story is like a little bit like the, the Joseph and Mary type searching for an end to give birth. That's how the totally. story kind of turns into. Yeah. It, when it, I come becomes back, on, it becomes on the Christian spectrum. <laughs> right. It becomes exactly what I'm like, fuck that. You know, it's like, well, this is your life. Like you're, you're, you're married. Your baby's Jesus. <laughs> so, so yeah, we come back, we have like, a, you know, so that's another thing here on the islands in general, but especially in Kauai, it's very hard to find housing very hard for families to find housing. We actually had a promise of a space when I returned because I wasn't going to return until we had a space. Mm. So I get here and it's kind of like, you know, your thing with the job where it's like, you think something's going to be a certain way and you get there and it's like, no, not at all. So, um, yeah, so we end up camping it for a few months. We're camping, I'm pregnant. And And how was the pregnancy, especially with kind of maybe not the most comfortable, easy accommodations? Um, I mean, it was a very stressful pregnancy for me um, because I didn't have any grounding. I was mm-hmm. constantly wanting to nest, wanting to yeah. prepare. And I wasn't ever able to even like take the, you know, my hands off of me like, okay, let me just surrender. Like mm-hmm. at no point did I even have the opportunity because I was just, I just wanted to make a space, just you a little space. Your root chakra is completely right. like fried. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you don't have your core you know, what do they call the five core needs met? Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're not going to just, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, I, you know, I, it hurts me in a way because I haven't talked about it, but we were homeless for yeah. many, many, many months searching for just for us to be able to birth, not even that we have to birth there. You know, it was like, I, can I just have a space to be and I'll go to the hospital, you know, like now I know I can hone myself and do my thing, you know, but well, yeah, of course it's not just about the birth. It's about where you're going to freaking live, where you're going to yeah. have the baby. Yeah. Yep. Your family. So you yeah. were just camping kind of wherever I'm assuming well, you were. There's, there's a beach here that, you know, it has a setup where you can camp. They have showers, sinks, kind of whole nine. So, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's set up, but you know, it's still camping, still yeah. that lifestyle. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Maybe I was about nine months or so, eight, eight, nine months. We finally found a space. Um, we're welcomed Whoa. in. And um, Pre- prenatal care wise, did you ever see anybody? Um, I, when it, I was in Atlanta because I was living with my parents, it was kind of, that's one of the reasons why it was good that I kind of left because of the control of my parents yeah. was very heavy on me, you know? So it was kind of, if I didn't go to the hospital, it was just one, another one of those things was like, okay, you need to leave. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not even like taking care of yourself. So I did go to the hospital to get some things checked out. Um, kind of more fear-based things. Yeah. I went to the ER one, one night because I was just having just some pains. But again, it was just all fear-based. I'm with my mom and she's worried. And, um, but no really kind of prenatal care in terms of seeing someone consistently. Mm-hmm. I would meet with midwives here and there who would, you know, just look at me and kind of, you know, let me know the deal. Yes. So we're welcomed in. We're there <clears throat> maybe like two weeks. And um, so at this point we're, you know, feeling a little grounded, you know, feeling a little good. And so we decide to kind of seek out a midwife that maybe can um, just check me out, maybe be at the birth. Cause you know, at this point we're like, we're doing it unassisted. I've been listening to your podcast, just getting so inspired by all the women who are like, you know, they don't, it's not even that you don't need the help. It's just the awareness that 
if you don't have help, you'll be good. And that was kind of the mindset that we wanted to just move forward with her, um, with her birth. Um, but we did want to seek out a midwife just, just because we just had such a hard pregnancy, like just stress wise, it just felt, you know, again, like maybe, yeah, we needed that kind of nourishment. So, um, yeah. And in a perfect world, all things created equal, like that's what midwives, that's what authentic midwifery is. Right. It's not whatever fuck you experience with that first one, you know, authentic midwifery is, is the wise woman, you know, it's, it's the elders. It's the women who walk with women who know how to nourish and love and hold and, and guide and guard. I mean, yes, of course. I totally understand that. It's just that they're hard to find. Yep. Unfortunately. And honestly, like the woman we found, it's was everything that you just described. Oh, that's, you know, and, and yeah. So I, uh, we find this woman, I only speak to her on the phone and she's like, yeah, you know, let's do it. I told her I don't really want you in the room. I don't want you to touch me. I don't even want you to talk to me, talk to me if I don't want you to. I just want you to kind of be available mm-hmm. in case I need your support. And she was down. She was like, cool. Yeah. Like, that's my thing anyways. Nice. Um, man. And I just, I just love this woman. But yeah, so um, my water breaks. <laughs> so my water breaks. I like cleaning crazy the night before. My water breaks. I wake up and so I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, like here it is, it's time. So, um, he goes back to sleep (laughs) and I'm kind of up all night, just dancing with the moon, kind of just feeling it. No pain, but something's brewing. You know, I'm feeling my hormones shift. I'm just feeling the change and I'm just like, so like ready. Like I Mm -hmm. can like attest it to like, like a warrior about to go into battle, just like knowing like you about to like, you're just about to win. Like you already done this battle before. So I was like, come on, like, bring it on, you know, like I was ready. So the next morning, um, Antoine gets up and goes and tells the woman who we're staying with on her property that I'm in labor and crazy. Her dad dies that morning and she asks us to leave. She asks us to pack our things and leave. And she said that if we weren't gone within four hours that she was going to check to make sure we were gone. So I don't even know why these things are happening. Like I said, this is like Joseph and Mary, like literally. So we, I'm crying. We're packing up our things. I'm like, who does that? I don't know, bro. And I don't know what like the karma these people are attracting, but like, this is the experience. Like obviously we weren't supposed to be there, you know, and we had to imagine. I'm imagining your man like having to come tell you that. I know. <laughs> he like was just worst. like, oh. and he kind of had this smile on his face because it was just so crazy. Right. He was like, he's you're like, not going to okay, fucking so believe this. Like, t- touch a bad news here. <laughs> right? oh I know you're about to go into labor and all, but oh my God. we got to go. Wow. So like okay, so where do you go? Yeah, we're packing up our shit. And we call our doula. We're like, yo, like um, this woman we met here, she's going to, you know, be with us and dance with us during labor. And we call her and we get another woman's voice. And we're like, oh, where's, where's our doula? Our doula fell down the stairs and like twists her ankle. And so we're like, okay. okay. <laughs> like, obviously the story is like, we're planning on having this kind of support. But Ayumi is like, no. I don't need to be in this space. I don't need her here. So we're like, okay. <laughs> so we, um, there's a woman 
on island. Her name is Carol, beautiful woman who opens up her home to women who are birthing. And she allows people to give birth at her house. So you just, you just happen to know about her? We happen to know about her. And we were actually wow. planning on doing that if we weren't able to birth at uh, our space. Okay. Right. So just, nice. you know, flowed right into that, you know. So we call up Carol. We're like, so we actually need a birth over there. And she's like, cool, but you need your midwife here. Oh, right. I remember you texting me this. So, of course, my midwife is on another island. She is oh. on Oahu. But my midwife wasn't there. She was, she was on a plane in the air, you know, on her way to me when I, you know, told her my water was breaking. So, oh, my God. So, basically, it was just kind of this waiting game. My labor, nothing started. And um, we go to Carol's house. We're, you know, preparing. I'm eating some food, taking a walk. Just really like, you know what? Nakomi's story was crazy as hell bring it on like I'm still going to give birth like mm-hmm, exactly it doesn't like it's, you know nothing is phasing me and um so I'm laying on the bed my midwife finally gets there she walks in the room and I'm just like she can just see the heaviness on me it's just mm. like and she I give her a hug this is my first time meeting this woman wow. and felt like you know just the grandmother mm. energy everything that we needed mm. and she was there and she just pulled me into her arms. She was like, let's get to it. Get into this position and that's going to bring your contractions. And, you know, my first instinct, because I was pressured so much before, mm-hmm. was to be like, you know, I want to do what I want to do. You know, like, sure. I don't, but nothing was starting, you know? So I actually, I, it was just a squatting position to hold, to like bearing down. And I did that and cr- contractions started. Um, but it was plus, great. Plus you were like, allowed to start your labor exactly you know in the psyche yeah and so you know she already knew my wishes so I'm laboring by myself like this woman literally was in the kitchen Mm. talking with Carol having tea you know preparing things for after the birth and she left me alone you know I went into the bathroom and I labored in there probably like two three hours Antoine would come in every once in a while telling me I was doing a great job and he was supporting you know doing that whole thing, the whole dance. And it was only four hours that I was in active labor. Yeah. I was like in there and out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Did Carol and this midwife previously, had they known each other? Yes. They're aware of each other. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So they had a, yeah. And I I remember when I was transitioning in and um, I remember I was, I started crying and I was like, I can't, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. And my midwife, she's like, well, that means the baby's about to come. You know, just as, you know, matter of fact. But Mm -hmm. it was like, just confirmation. It wasn't like, oh, let me help you. Let me massage Mm -hmm. you. She was like, no, you know, that's cool. You know, I'm glad you feel like you're about to give up because that means the baby's about to come. Yeah. I just slammed my fist on the table and I was like, fuck. (laughs) Go back into it. One last little tantrum. One last little tantrum. And um, Anto's playing the didgeridoo. And man, just... It was just such a tribal, just high energy, very oh, yeah. musical. And I just felt, I just felt so powerful. She said at a certain point I was like panting like a panther. Mm-hmm. Like she just, my breathing was just in tune. I just, you know, it was just like this cool, like dance. It was just, it was cool. Like, and I, I don't, I don't remember pain from her birth. I just remember hard work. Well, you, you got know? to be. Yeah. You got yep. to dance. You got yep. to do the birth dance it is very yep. 
people. It is very, um, it's wild as fuck, but if if there's people observing you in a way where you're feeling self-conscious or if there's worry or those furrowed brows or people assessing, you don't get to do it. Yep. Yeah. And how was your son during it? Was he awake? He was kind of dancing in and out. Um, he went to sleep once I was really into it. Um, Mm -hmm. And he actually, as soon as Ayumi came into this sphere, as soon as she was born, Komi woke up. Nice. And it was kind of a little, kind of, I don't want to say traumatic, but it was a little scary for him because he was in another room by himself asleep. So he kind of woke up to a lot. Know, with all that energy. Yeah. Nobody was in there with him. Yeah. So we brought him in here and he was crying. And yeah. Like, <laughs> so, but he was cool. The next morning, they made me a placenta smoothie and he drank all of it. And has been <laughs> super baby ever since. I'm like, this is what my son is like. You're like, I'm on to something. Bam, bam. Now. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so That's yeah. funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So he's, he's even more intrinsically connected to her from eating, yes, drinking agreed. that. <laughs> I couldn't even sip it. I'm like... <laughs> He's like, I will. (laughs) That's funny. And so, and okay. So, but I want to go back, sorry, just to real quick about like her actual emergence, you know, tell, tell me about that. What did that look like? Feel like her actually coming out of your body in the placenta and take me back there. So, um, a good friend of mine, um, was there, Lita. She, um, was just holding space. She was, you know, she just came to bring me coconut water and asked if she needed I needed anything else and she ended up being our like just being there holding space for us so um I was holding on to Antoine in a crouch position just all my weight holding onto his neck <clears throat> and I was on the bed crouched down just pulling bearing down I just it feels really good to me to kind of just ground into birth I don't like water I can't do none of that shit when I'm birthing like I have to like stomp and shit so um and she was right next to my ear and it was at a, um, you know, pushing, um, just the struggle of that push, just the powerful, you know, entrance that's about to be. And she whispers in my ear, um, Jordan, I call, you know, on your, what did she say? Man, on your, um, avatar, your avatar self, I call it, I'm speaking to your avatar self, like wake up, you know, kind of thing. And it just, I remember it was like this you know, just this animalistic, like, perk. <laughs> That's cool. And then I was able to, like, fully just bring her through. And wow. I birthed, and she kind of, she birthed into, like, like she was, like, in this ball. She The cords were wrapped all around her. Like, it was interesting. She was, like, a little Rubik's Cube. And it, at first, it was, like, we were all, like, uh, okay. <laughs> and did she just plop out onto the bed? Yeah, she just plopped out on the bed, and they just, you know, the midwife looked, you know, we all, you know, took her in for a moment. And then she's like, okay, let's take the cords off. She gently unwound her and she kind of gave a little squeak, immediately started nursing and I went to sleep. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Sleep after birth is like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. It is. How did you feel in the coming days and weeks? Man, grateful. You know, it's something about not having the things that you think that you need and being able to survive without it. That's just brings on that gratitude and that compassion for everyone else who 
is able to birth with the way that you think that you're supposed to birth and just how, you know, sometimes those things, it's good to just have inspiration from it and not, you don't always have to mimic those things. I Mm. found myself in preparing with both of their births, sometimes just getting in that, oh, well, so-and-so did this, like, so-and-so did that. Like, you know, I feel like a lot of women kind of, the water birth thing is kind of like this kind of, you know, like the popular thing to do, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it doesn't always help. Like I like to tell mothers, like just be open to explore other things. Like be open to not rely on what you have planned. Totally. I mean, it's one thing, you don't have- and that's true yeah. in life, right? Like it's yeah. one thing to say, uh, I'm attracted to the idea of water birth. And so I, I could see myself wanting that as a tool, but that's not what I hear most women say. You know, most women say, I'm going to have a water birth. And I'm like, oh, yes. honey, you have no idea what you're right, going to Right, right, right. You, <laughs> you know, and, know, and it's just, yeah. if you have just another plan, like, you know, there's there's yep. exactly like you're saying, there's a, there's a deeper layer under there to play with. Yeah, yeah, it is, you know. And it's cool if everything works out the way you planned it. That's cool. Totally. But just know that it usually doesn't play out like that. Right. And that's okay. And so how, and we'll wrap up here, but how does it feel in your body? And, and just, I want to, I want to go back to kind of where we started the conversation about, um, just this transformation you've made as a woman through or because of motherhood, you know, kind of bring that back home for me if you can. I mean, I, I really have found my, my own feminine aspect that I've really been like pushing down since childhood, since, I can remember, I just never wanted to be a woman in this sense that I, I felt like at a certain point, all of my girlness, all of the things that I treasured was going to not be important when I became a mother. That's what I grew up thinking, like that I was just going to lose all of this. And I is, you know, that same holding on type thing. I was holding on to this this maidenhood, like it was the only thing that I was going to have before I was going to fall into the trap of motherhood. And like, I'm so glad I fell for the trap, man. Cause it's like, you know, like it is, it's important to know that you are worth it. You can do it. Like you're good enough to be someone's mother, to create and to do what you can do on this earth like we it's just it's something that it's just the interesting programming that they Mm -hmm. push us away from having this experience like Mm -hmm. that you're you know it's just you know and I'm just so like even you know without my within my pregnancy I I even dressed like girlier and I never even you know experienced that before I never wanted to be like girly or feminine and having a girl now it's like man like I just want to I can't wait to like it and not, and not just the girly things. It's just being able to be this girl, this childlike mentality, this mm-hmm. just this delicate, perfect queen that my daughter is. Like, well, it really sounds like you've created and had to do so so consciously because this is not the culture we're born into, that you've created a life where you can feel safe. And in that safety, femininity becomes authentic and, and safe. And you can, um, you don't have to like fight, you know, or, or um, yeah, but it just, it sounds like you've really consciously chosen and created a life for yourself where you can feel safe and where you can root into um, 
into this transformation that was calling you. And, and that's, you know, that's really calling all women, not necessarily motherhood. Yes. I don't think all women need to be mothers by any means, right. but the safety that happens, um, when you create, you know, a conscious life and when you're in an awesome partnership and when you live in community, um, that aren't, you know, kicking you out or, or, you know, all, I mean, just so much that you've left behind and recreated. Um, it makes total sense to me that you would not only have this transformation, but be exploring your femininity and be um, embracing these pieces that otherwise like in mainstream culture is actually not fucking safe to do. No, it's not. You know, that's awesome. It's a lot yeah. of like de-socialization and recreation yeah. of yourself. And that's why I said motherhood just brought on this whole spiritual aspect that mm-hmm. I didn't even know was a part of me. Cause you know, and growing up with the, the Christian aspect, the whole, all of that, you know, I was trying to like throw all that in it mm-hmm. you know, and throwing away some things, some things you don't need to throw away, some things you need to keep. And, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've been refining that appreciation for those deeper meanings in life as well through, through motherhood and just my everyday and, being here with my kids and being in the moment and mm-hmm. not wanting, not needing, and just having my arms open to be grateful and to receive whatever journey is about to to, to happen for us. Cause we're here now, you know, we all chose to be here together and man, I'm, I'm just so blessed. I'm so yeah. thankful. Like it's, it's inspiring. These yeah. Kids. yeah. You got a rocking little family man. and you're doing it. You're Here doing it real as fuck too, you know? It's not all yeah. rainbows and butterflies, but it's with a gratitude nope. filled heart. Yep. And that's what's up. Yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you. It's so nice to finally yes. hear the story. Yes. Over excited. over 10 months in the making. Yes. <laughs> Lots of time to really like let these stories set in and mm-hmm. transform. And yeah, I hope that I can inspire and I I don't want anybody to mimic my story or think they need to have this kind of experience, you know, and just remembering when they listen to these podcasts that, you know, there's always things to to take, but it's always things to give as well within these stories. Um, Because man, the magic happens no matter what, what, what's going to happen. All births are like, it's just infinitely so magical. We can't even we can't even control it. Like, well, and I, I think a huge thing that, that I hope women will, you know, take from this story is the, you know, just speaking to the differences of midwifery, you know, that, that, I mean, talk about like light and dark, you know, talk, talk <laughs> about good and bad and, and all of that, that it's, it's awesome that you got to experience authentic midwifery yes you know, with your agreed. second birth and, and be able to share that story because we have lost it you know almost entirely yeah. as a as a womanhood on this planet you know so it's it's huge to celebrate those stories and share them yeah yeah and yeah. I just want to say like I you know I, I did at some point <clears throat> want to refuse any kind of assistance or support during my birth because the experience that I had but I want to say that it it is valuable to have sacred women at your birth like that's important yeah. that's you know like but it's, it is that it's these, these certain, you know, type of characteristics and needs that both the midwives <clears throat> and the birthing mothers need to know that, you know, they can't rely on each other for anything. It's just all support. It's all this grand dance that everybody gets to 
have a part in. Um, well, there's a massive difference between medical management and acting as your authority yeah. versus authentic midwifery, which is experience, love, support, wisdom, all the stuff that we, we listed. Like those, yep. And we've completely, not we, you know, patriarchy and, and industrialized birth has completely uh, warped all of that. And so, you know, I know a lot of midwives, you know, listen to this, to this podcast. So yeah, I, I think your story will blessing. be very inspiring to them. So yeah, thank you so much Yay. for your time. And thank and you. It's so nice to finally see you yes. and hear you. And yeah, I'm proud of us. <laughs> yes, we did it. We did it. All right, girlfriend. I'll thank talk you to you so soon. Much. Okay. Bye. 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 that's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.